one. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hattrick Sports Talk. I got Shane here. I got Brandon here. I'm Robert. We are recording this on a Thursday night, not a Friday night, but still the same show as always. You guys ready? Yeah, whenever you are. All right, let's do it. Uh, we are starting with one of the bigger news stories of the day. Uh, Jamal Adams and the Jets have reached an impasse in contract talks, according to ESPN's Rich Semeni. Uh Basically, we've been, ta- we've been hearing about this for about, what, a year now, that we're not sure about Jamal Adams' deal. We know that there's potential of him being traded, and that's been circulating back and forth and back and forth. What are your thoughts on this situation now? Do you think he's finally going to be traded? Or are you guys in a position where you're worried about the Jets because this just keeps going on and on and on? Uh, well, considering it's the Jets and they can't... You know, I'll say, I'll say this. Look, the Jets, they started this year to make me think that maybe this year was the year that they could actually get their their life in order, you know? They're like... Oh God. They're like... Here's an analogy I'll give, right? The Jets are like... The Jets are like the 18-year-old who goes off to college, right? And they think that they can they have everything together. And so they go off to college and they party and they live life. But eventually they realize that they don't know Jack Diddley squat and they can't get everything done, even though they still have this like idea in their mind that they are able to have success. That's what's going on here. Like this, the Jets set themselves up very well with the draft, right? But in the past, they've been terrible. And they've also been very bad at keeping any good players they've had mm-hmm. that they've been able to acquire. Most players they acquire in the draft are gone after their first like, four years. Yeah. And honestly, I think they would be inc- – I don't know why they're even allowing contract no- negotiations to stall because if I'm the Jets, I'm like, you know what? We will give you as much damn money as you want. Because he's that good. Right. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Shane, what's your perspective on this whole situation? I mean, I'm just kind of tired of it, to be completely honest, you know. Um, I, I just – I mean, it, I, I don't – I don't blame him for wanting to go. Um but at the same time, I wish they would, and like Brandon said, I wish they would actually, you know, make a, a decent effort to try and keep these guys past their rookie contracts. Um, because, I mean, the Jets are on the rise, I think, and he's obviously a key piece defensively for them. And so I, um, I mean, do you, what is, do you know exactly like what they were trying to offer him or uh, that hasn't come out, but what I will tell you is that they've been in contract talks for about a year, maybe a year and a half. Yeah. And they've Which been shopping. They've been shopping him for a year and a half. And, and no the best, the best deal that they've gotten, I think was a, or the deal that, so 
the Cowboys gave him a really good offer. I think they gave the Cowboys gave him a couple seconds, but the the Jets at that point, you know, with their offensive line, they were like, "Give us a couple seconds and like your top offensive lineman," which is just ridiculous. And and that's kind of the one team yeah. I kind of cling to for Jamal Adams. I'm like, if I'm the Cowboys, why not give up two first to get him? But I think the Jets are like wanting an offensive lineman for him which is very difficult to get even for a top player like Jamal Adams. Especially well, for Dallas. Yeah, and I think, personally, I, I, I'm very high on Jamal Adams. Uh, I personally think that he could, he could fetch a first. You know? No, I like, do too. I, I think reasonably, if the Jets are going to trade him, they should be looking for a first from him because he's that good. But I think the biggest thing that's happened with the Jets and Jamal Adams in terms of trade talks is they're overvaluing him a lot. And they're asking for too much, which is amazing. But I, I honestly think based on all the reports they've heard for the last year, especially the Cowboys deal, they're asking for too much, which is yeah. crazy. I so think, here's, a, here's a question. Do you think the Seahawks would be interested in him i'm sure they've called i mean i'm sure almost every other team yeah. almost every team has called but I, I honestly think the reason why he hasn't been traded is the fault of the jets because yeah. the jets are just for some look jamal Adams is a great player but he's not worth a top five offensive lineman he's just not worth that especially if you're a team like the cowboys you, you're no. it's he's not worth that he's worth I, if i'm the jets give me two first and let's move on yeah I don't understand why this is so complicated. I mean, personally, I'd be if I was a fan of a team that got Jamal Adams, I'd be happier to go two firsts or a first, a second, and a sec, a first, a second, and a second. You know, yeah. I'd be thrilled if a team got Jamal Adams for that, not having to give up a player, but having to give up picks. You know, right? That's but, a decent. That's a decent trade because but, you then advance your team. But again, if you're if you're a team that has a bad offensive line and you have only one really good offensive lineman and you give up a first and that good offensive lineman for Jamal Adams, are you happy? Well, no team's going to give up both a first and a great offensive line. Right. That's that's what I'm saying. It just doesn't make think, a lot of sense. I mean, I think he's worth one first to be honest. I would yeah, say two lot, for for how young for, for how young he is, I give up two first and I'm good. So is he is he's going into his fourth year, right? I think this is his fifth year option. So, so no, he's going into his fourth. He is yeah. okay, fourth. So year. here's here's yeah. the thing. I mean, if I'm Jamal Adams, I'm saying, if it stalls out, I'm saying, give me the. Te- uh, he's saying, all right. I mean, contract stall. I'll play the season if it happens, and, uh, you know, like, but but that then can't I'll be- go into free agency. That can't be the attitude of him in his camp, especially when he's been shopped so often for the last year and a I half. Mean, that can't be but, the attitude of his camp at all. But here's the all. thing. Here's the thing. If you're, if you're Jamal Adams, you have the high ground right now. Because if you've been shopped for a year and a half at this point and, and only one team has given a halfway decent offer, mm-hmm. you have to go, well, I have the power here. Like... You know. Yeah, I think I think there I think Jamal just has to be like get me out of here, and I think I think at this point that's where they're at. I think it's like get me out of here, yeah, and, and, and get me to to a team like Dallas where I know I'll fit in really well. Like and I think that opens up that opens up conversation down the line when we 
talk about the Jets division, about talking, having a conversation about their um, their front office and how they yeah, run things because it's, sure. it's not done very well. Absolutely not. All right, let's move forward. Uh, we talked about the Rooney rule last week. The NFL owners have tabled the rule. Uh, they're moving it to next year. They're taking a year to think about it. What's your reaction? I mean, I'm not surprised, to be honest. Um, it seemed like they weren't really sure how to handle it. Um, so, I mean, you know, considering everything else that's happening this year and, you know, deciding whether or not they're going to play, yada, 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 I think it's it's probably best that they just – you know, come back to this at another time when they have a bit more of a clear head and, um, you know, can think about a, a good way to uh, to go about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but that's, I, yeah, that's just my opinion. I think when you have both African-American commentators and players who played and coaches in the league coming out saying this is not the right way about going about this, it, it it you know something's not right. right. Yeah. So and, and and this has clearly been a mission for the NFL. I think going back to the start of the season, I, they always think about all right, what what should we give to the owners, right? Or teams are thinking about this. And I think the Rooney rule was certainly something they wanted to focus on. Of course, another piece of this is that the NFL owners prohibit blocking assistant coaches from interviewing. So teams cannot block OCs and DCs from interviewing at other OC and DC jobs or head coaching jobs, which I think is a huge step forward, but that's at least a step in the right direction in terms of looking at how coaching should work and the Rooney role as a whole. Yeah. So I, I think, I think at the end of the day, the owners meetings, when it comes to hiring, they, they haven't, they didn't accomplish everything that they wanted to, right? That was clear at least at, to this, up to this point, but they accomplished something out of it that I think makes the hiring process better. And in fairness, for us in the media and us as fans, I think it makes the offseason a lot more interesting moving forward. And I do think it also kind of – it felt more like an olive branch move doing this than uh, we believe that this will get passed through because it was kind of a, a showing – the players in the league that we are thinking about not just the white players, but we're thinking about, you know, African-American coaches, African-American players, um, staff, especially, staff, whatnot, especially with all the controversy that the, the league has come under. Yeah, for sure. Shane, any last thoughts on this topic and these two pieces? Um, not for me, but uh, I, I am – I am curious, though, as to, you know, where this will go in the future. Um, because, it, I mean, it is, you know, it's a good concept. Um, just not necessarily very well executed thus far. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. Uh, the renewal certainly has a long way to go, but I think that the coaching hiring was, or the coaching, the not blocking of coaches to go to different coordinator positions is definitely a good move. Now let's go to one that I think uh, we all have, you know, we've talked about this for, you know, since the start of 
our show basically about this onside kick role and the fact that they are giving teams the chance to go for it on fourth and 15 on their own 25. There's also a stipulation in the rule that they cannot do this more than two times a game. So completely basically eliminating the onside, the onside kick and changing it to fourth and 15 at the 25. We've talked about this. I think we're all probably in support of this rule. Uh, what is your feeling on this um, as it's gaining a lot of support across the league? I, uh, yeah, I like it for sure. Um, I mean, you know, the thing is, the thing about an onside kick is it's only recovered by the kicking team, I think like 2% of the times it's attempted. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like, why would you even do it? You know, there's no, there's no point to it, essentially. I mean, it's, it's just like a, I was going to say one in a million, but it's not one in a million. It's one in 50. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> um, but no, this is, you know, when you have, I mean, obviously fourth and 15 is anything in 15 is hard to get, you know, get that kind of yardage. Um, but it's much more doable, I think. And so, I mean, you know, if it's like, there's a team in a crunch and they want to do something like an onside kick or whatever, then, you know, there's no point in doing that. So then it's like, okay, well, let's try this. It's not guaranteed that it'll work, but at least they feel like there's a chance, you know? Yeah. I, I personally feel like it, it, it really just does the exact same thing that an onside kick would do in terms of the, like the situationality of it. Because if you think about it, a yeah. fourth and 15, What's the what's the other team's defense gonna do? Like they're not because they know the team they know they're not gonna run the ball because they're on fourth and fifteen, so they're gonna have to throw Unless the you're ball. The Ravens. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but like they're gonna throw the ball, so what are they gonna? What's the what's the other team's defense gonna do? They're just gonna line up and protect. Zone. You know, yeah. they're just gonna like if they. And I, I just I don't see it being successful very any more often than. An onside kick, and the only reason they're taking away the onside kick is for quote unquote safety reasons. Well, it's not necessarily because of safety reasons. Well, first, it it is to this extent. Last year, the onside kick percentage was worse because they changed the way the onside kick operates for safety reasons. So this is why this is, or actually, I think that was two years ago now. But either way, the point still stands. I think that this is a good rule, but after seeing what Patrick Mahomes said it made me think about it a little bit farther. Patrick Mahomes was like, yes, I'm excited about this. And the reason why is because when you're the Chiefs and you're so built on offense and speed, you can make fourth in passing. You can make a fourth and 15. I mean, they made a bunch of like third. They made a huge third and 15, I think, against the Texans to change up that game. There's no reason they can't do it on fourth and 15. So if you're a team that's very much built on the offensive side of the ball, of course, Many teams are these days, and, and this is part of this rule change is because this is an offensive-centric league. Offenses are more exciting than ever. That's part of the change. But doesn't if you can only do this two times a game, then the Chiefs just go with, let's say, I don't know, four minutes left in the second quarter and go, we're just going to attempt this one time and then attempt it another time in the third quarter, and we know we're probably going to get it or at least 
be more likely to get it because we're a faster team and is so built for the, for the passing offense. Yeah. Now, is this actually – will this actually be implemented this season? No, they, they're saying that it's gaining traction. So, the okay. – so, the I think it was – it was approved – 21, maybe. It was approved 7-1, to one, but I think the owners kind of said we'll, we'll kind of push it to next year. Okay, um, I see. So, it's, it's not something that right now um, – it's not something that right now is going to be implemented but it will most likely be implemented in 2021. So, yeah, yeah, I wonder I wonder what the chances are of doing that compared or of successfully doing the 4th and 15 conversion as opposed to uh an onside kick recovery. Right. I wonder if if we have a preseason this year or next year, that's kind of where I want to see it. I want to see them try yeah. it in the preseason before they put it in the regular season. Yeah. Because the per- it will give us a good idea of percentage rates as well. Because if it has, like, I mean, it's still, the thing is, it still should be something that has a small chance of being accomplished, which I would imagine this does. But if it comes out and it's got, like, you know, 40% success or something, then I don't really know that I want it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that that would happen. I would be very surprised if it did, but just hypothetically speaking. Yeah. And then other notable rule changes that will be voted on the addition of a booth empire as an aid official, expanding automated replay reviews for scoring plays, turnovers negated by penalty, and all successful or unsuccessful field goal attempts. So those are other rules to keep an eye on throughout next week. Uh, now we get to some interesting news about, you know, when we'll kind of go back to sports with the NBA and the MLB. I know Brandon and I will have an interesting discussion about the MLB, but let's get to the NBA first. NBA teams are expected to issue guidelines around June 1st that will allow franchises to start recalling players who have left as a first step towards a formal ramp up to restart the season. This is from Woj, and I also believe Zach Lowe reported this as well from ESPN. And I think at this point, it's come, becoming more clear that we're going to have NBA basketball at about June 15th, from what well, I'm I hearing. Heard, I heard, so, or excuse I me, heard July, July 15th. Excuse yeah. me, July 15th. July 15th. I think that would make more sense. They're going <laughs> to start doing, they're going to start doing like training camps again. Yeah. Just so it'd be training teams. Camp. Yep. So, excuse me, July 15th. No fans, right? No, no fans. No fans, but it does appear to be July 15th, and it also appears that it will be in Orlando and Las Vegas. Huh. I could see this year, I think probably with sports this season, I think, and Robert and I have talked about this before, um, I think this season will probably be without fans for all sports. And then next year, I yeah. think baseball will probably be the first sport to have fans back. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it might be interesting to see like halfway through the NFL season if they start putting some yeah, we'll fans see. in the arena, but we'll see. Uh, it all depends is... on the vaccine, probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it also depends on Not like probably. It does. <laughs> how, ma- how many people – well, uh, I mean, my argument is I believe that fans could be in the stands if people wear a mask. Um and are far away enough. You and don't have to sell the whole. Enough, you don't yeah. have to sell out the whole stadium. Like, why like do we Robert need to do that? Robert and I were talking about this last night, and we we talked about the fact that they could do like XFL style, where they like only sell some of the seats in each level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
to give sure. people ability to go to games with different price levels, you know? So. All right, so let's get to the MLB. So let, let me have the floor to start with this. So while we look at the NBA, and they're, you're, you're getting ready, Brandon, aren't you? I am. Look, when we look at what the NBA is doing. Can we grab some popcorn? <laughs> yes, yes, please grab some popcorn for this. All right, here we go. Ding, ding, ding. The NBA, as we just talked about, are actually being progressive in this situation. We're most likely going to have the season starting in about two months, right? And they're talking with the players. They're having conference calls with the players. And the players are being like are, are in conjunction with Adam Silver and the commissioner's office in terms of how do we get back to playing basketball safely, correct? Right? Yeah. So with the MLB, they're not doing this. And this is why I'm so confused. It's because what, what the MLB is doing is they're using the media to their advantage, which, by the way, they don't use the media to promote their players virtually ever. So now they're going to use the media to try to gain leverage over the players, not just with wages, but with health and with how do we get back to baseball in a safer way. This is what the players are upset about. They're not necessarily just upset about the wages, which we talked about last week, and I understand your guys' feelings on that. But this is about the fact that the MLB is using the media to gain leverage against the players when really this should be a corroborative effort, as it is in the NBA, to get back to baseball. I will make a bold claim and say that baseball will not come back first. It will be basketball over baseball. There's no way this gets done before, June, before July 15th. There's no way. Brandon, so, your thoughts. I will say this. I stand by my I stand by my stance that the players are being a bunch of little babies. Because, <laughs> because here's the thing. My here here's my thing, right? Throughout the history of time, it is being claimed that the media has been is being used for, for different people's like benefit right and i can make the argument that there have been many times in the past couple years where players have used the media to their benefit the players use the media to their fucking benefit every time they need to have a new every time a new contract comes up Mm -hmm. every damn time the con a contract comes up and i would i would be damned if i'm not going to make the statement that the media is being used by the player association against the league they're both trying to play each other against each other because they're both trying to get their own things done. However, you have the problem of the players, of certain players, not everybody, coming out, conveniently the ones who are paid the most, coming out and being like, oh, no, woe is me. I'm not getting fucking paid my millions of dollars this season, right? <laughs> but, and also, the safety thing is bullshit. Like, don't even come at me with the safety thing. The, the MLB has made it very clear that safety is one of their top priorities in terms of getting back on the field. If anything, they put that before anything else. They've made it clear that they're doing testing, they're putting everything forward, they're planning everything out. It is a hard way to get things done, and both sides need to, both sides, frankly, in my opinion, need to fucking suck it up, realize that this is a weird year, and it's not about the fucking money. Both sides are going to lose fucking money. In this situation, they're going to lose like four billion dollars, yeah, like basically every. Both league. sides are because there's not going to be any, and also the fact is, the, the 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 revenue that is coming out of it has been sliced down 
so much that what are you supposed to do when paying the players? Like, because of the fact that it comes out of the revenue, like, it's that's my big problem with the players be whining about this. But, it is it is hard. What are they supposed to? What are they expecting? I mean, are they expecting the fucking owners to pay them out of their pocket? Well, no, pay but a what, whole fucking team out of their pocket. But that's, what that's I, ridiculous. But what I'm saying is, what why then why is the NBA doing better? Why is the NBA like? Why is the NBA being like? Oh, we're not like reporting something, and then the players don't agree with it. Do you realize that Woj and guys like Zach Lowe and Shams? They're reporting it at the same time as everyone else, and the Players Association isn't reporting a different because, thing than the MLB is. They're both the, reporting the same thing, and they're because, reporting it after these meetings, not two weeks before. Robert, because of the fucking NBA, <laughs> there are a handful of fucking players who make a shitload of money, right? And the MLB, I mean, there's actually a good and amount. The, and the MLB, uh, well, okay, there's a good amount of players who make a lot of money. There are a specific seven players who make a asinine amount of money and they have made their asinine amount of money and guess what's happening the rest of the players are left to make less so much less than they would have this year it has already been confirmed that the league is cutting their salaries like the rest of the players in the league there are seven players who have had guaranteed contracts paid to them and i like the NBA is actually being smart, and those seven players are also being very smart because they are the quote-unquote leader players of the of the league, and they are the players who are like, you know what? Fuck it. We want to get back and fit into the season. So we're we going to shut play. our mouths. We're going to shut our mouths. We're going to make it happen. We're going to make a deal, and we're going to get it done. Well, but well, it's not the, just that. And, Robert, the situation here with the MLB also is that the players are taking advantage of a, of a, of a situation that has rocked the boat and gone – Hmm. You know what's gonna happen next year in December? We get to come up to the table and and renegotiate. So we're gonna make it very fucking clear to the to the owners what where we're at and what should happen. And but, so I just think that the that the, for the players for the player association to have the gall to be saying like that they're being that the MLB and team owners are being underhanded and trying to sway public support. It's really not that hard to sway public support when you have players coming out and whining about making money. That's how you that's it, you shut your mouth if you want to sway public support to your side. But there's a difference between shutting your mouth and looking at what the NBA like LeBron, Kawhi, Kevin Durant, all these guys at, in these in it was reported after the conference call that they're like they're advocating to play. It's not that they're against it. They're well, literally advocating why. to play. I wonder why because LeBron, Kawhi, uh, all these players they're the ones in the fucking playoffs. They're the ones who are making the playoffs. They're also the ones who are making the ridiculous amount of money. Like, Shane, what are your thoughts it, in it? Chime just, in in this discussion. And the last thing I'll say before I let Shane talk um, <laughs> is, is that, as I said about the, how ridiculous it is that they're saying that, that the MLB is being underhanded, I'll say it one more time. And I know you can say I'm a broken record, but I'll say it one more time. The MLB Players Association would have had such an easy time with this shit if they had just zipped their mouth and be like, you know what? We'll bring this to the table in our, when, we're talk, when we negotiate. But no, they had to have one fucking player who opened his mouth about money problems. You know how less of a shit America probably can give about someone... <laughs> making only two million dollars when they're in a time when like 
nearing quarter of the country is unemployed. America, right, near, right. Yeah, we are nearing a half of America being unemployed. So I frankly couldn't give two shits if fucking Mike Trout and all these players were to like make a thousand dollars this year. Shane, your thoughts? So, Robert, I'm confused. What's your position on this whole thing? My position is is my position is I understand your guys' position, and I know I I honestly to some degree agree where you're coming from, Brandon, with that position. But my position is that the MLB players are right in the fact that Major League Baseball doesn't know the media at all, and yet they're trying to use the media to their advantage, and it's causing problems. What baseball, what the MLB and the Players Association should do is sit down in one room like the NBA and iron this thing out in one night. Not do it through all these media outlets and stuff. Yes, it benefits us as the media to have conversations like this. But the NBA isn't doing that. What I'm saying is, yes, I understand that situation. But my argument in in the more grand scheme of things is, why are we doing it through the media before they even sit down at the table? I see. Okay. This is a loaded question. They all look dumb in this situation. Every one of them. Yeah. In the MLB, especially. Yeah. Um, or the players, I mean. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm with Brandon on this one. I mean, I, you know, I, like you said, I mean, you look at guys like Mike Trout. He makes, what, $40 million a year? Yeah. Guaranteed, okay. by the way. Yeah. So, you know, if he – if I mean, he's already loaded. He doesn't make any money this year. Oh, boo-hoo. He can, I don't know, go work at Subway or something. I hear he's in a lot of their commercials. But you know, the thing is, I mean, you know, at this point, yeah, you look at the NBA, they don't care as much about all the money and stuff because, you know, they were already almost done with their season. They just want to finish. And, you know, because, I mean... They want to crown a champion, right? They're, we well, have like 30 games left in the season plus the playoffs. Well, yeah. They just want to crown a champion right now. Yeah, and... But baseball, you know, their players are all like, oh, well, it hasn't started yet, so, um, oh, well, let's just use it to our advantage and say, oh, we're not going to play if we don't get money. It's like, how are you going to – how do you expect to get more money when the league is not going to make much this year? Because they're probably not going to have fans – at baseball this year. Which is not great because baseball, most of the revenue comes from fans coming into the ballpark. That's the thing. Have so, you seen their TV contracts? Right, right, their TV contracts, but 162 games a year, a lot of their revenue is based on the fact that fans come to the ballpark as well. It's a much bigger portion of their revenue, I believe. Than other sports. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you just have to realize, it's like, yeah, you're not going to get as much money this year. Or... Sorry, yeah. the the league isn't going to make as much money this year, so you can't expect to get paid the same amount. It's just not the way things are going to work out. 
And if you want to play and get money at all, then be quiet and stop complaining about your reduced salary and just go and play. Well, I, and I they think... also claim that they want to play this year. Like they keep right. all the players keep saying, "Oh, we want to play baseball." Well, you fucking don't seem like you do. You know, and, and going and going back to Mike Trout, right? I know we're using him as an example, but one of the things that I've actually really appreciated is a guy like Mike Trout because he's come on all these stations, and you know what he said? You know what his concern was? His concern was, I have a baby on the way. I don't want to leave my house when I have a baby on the way. I don't, you know, he's looking more at the family side of things while the rest of these players are not. And I think that's part of the problem here with the players. It's like they're focused so much on the wages. What about all these other impacts? Family, you know, and, and all those other things, safety, health and safety precautions and things like that. That I think should take more priority for the players than wages. Well, what does the wages money thing have guy? to do with what? What does the money thing have to do with him and a baby? I know, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that he's looking at the I mean, more broader focus, right? No, yeah. but what I'm saying is, while the player, while most of the players are focused on the wage piece of it, which is what we're talking about, mm-hmm. their players like Mike Trout. I know we've used it again. I know we use that as, as an example, but what he's actually looked at is like the impacts of his family, the impacts of his day-to-day life over the wages, which I think should take more importance of the players than the wages. If that makes sense. I don't know. I, I just yeah. the players are. I think it's just, if the players are really going to be this like hard headed about, the wages this year, I think we're not going to get a season. Yeah. I At really this point, it I, wouldn't surprise me. I really feel honest. like the NBA is going to start before the MLB. I really And you do. can't get a season if they – I mean, they have to start their – like the MLB has to start their season by July 4th for, for a season to happen, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. Probably. Especially with uh, arbitration and uh, you know service time and all these other st- stuff. Well, I mean, at, at, at the at the and rate postseason too. At the rate that a season goes already, I mean, it ends October, and that gives four four months off, basically. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the division previews. We are this week doing the NFC Ooh. South, probably the most interesting division of the bunch. It's uh, up there. It's up there this year. Yeah. Um, and we were we are going to start with let's see, we're going to start with the New Orleans Saints. Last year they finished with thirteen and three record, won the NFC South, of course, lost in the wild card to the Vikings, twenty six to twenty. Here is their schedule. Any thoughts? with their schedule first. It looks easy. Yeah. I mean, there's a few. Well, I mean, I San mean, Francisco in week 10 is going to be good. And then they have Tampa Bay the week before. Um, Kansas City. Kansas City towards the end. Minnesota. I guess Green Bay. Yeah. There's some teams kind of sprinkled around the schedule that are a little bit tougher, but it's definitely a little bit easier than I think we would have imagined. So is this Christmas Day game thing like a new thing or No, it happens occasionally. It doesn't happen often. I don't like it. It seems kind of mean. What to the, to the NBA? It's cruel. It's like no, to the fucking players, Robert. Yeah, but I mean it, <laughs> would it, it you want to play on and... would you want to play on Christmas if you had a, a family? 
I probably still want to play. I think I think holidays are a big part of like playing. I think playing on Thanksgiving or Christmas or, or New Year's is a pretty awesome experience. Or even not even just the players, but like the trainers, the yeah. Yeah. the people working at the the concession stands at the stadium. Yeah. I think it's a little workers. different for the players if if you if it if you're the home team. Yeah. Like all the like football team workers that's fine because like you get to still do christmas but like as you said shane like the workers the concession all those right. people who have to go in and like you know as we mentioned though, as i mentioned <laughs> you know this is a very unique situation where they put this game on this friday uh that should be fun as well though um so um actually there was an interesting report from jay glazer this morning that Taysom hill is cl- the clear-cut starter once Drew Brees eventually retires, your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, I think we've both made it pretty clear that we think that's a ridiculous move. Yeah. I don't know about Shane, but... Well, I mean, I, I've i been expecting this, in all honesty, but... I mean, really, I just want to see him play as yeah. a quarterback, you know, because I mean, he's an incredible athlete. There's no denying that. Um, but it's just, you know, it's a matter of can he actually lead a franchise? Um, so I don't know. We will see. I mean, the couple times I've seen him like actually throw the ball, he's looked pretty good. Yeah. But... I just want to point out this depth chart is missing Jameis Winston, of course, who signed that <laughs> one-year deal. Um, but uh, X Factor players for the New Orleans Saints. Michael Thomas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely Michael Thomas. I mean, you look at last year, I mean, he 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 had one of the best seasons of all time. He was my homie fantasy-wise. Heck yeah, man. (laughs) He He went crazy. I mean, he was a huge reason that team was successful. Um, I mean, just with the lack of receiving – help around him and just with the different quarterbacks throughout the season. Um, you know, I mean, the, the fact that they had him and that he just had such a dominant year, I'm expecting that to continue and for them to continue to rely on him. Um, yeah. And, you know, rightfully so. He's a great player. Uh, what do you feel about the addition of Emmanuel Sanders as well in that wide receiver core? I think it just makes a a wide receiver core that was already filthy even more filthy. Yeah. I mean, that offense well, I mean, they is were, so filthy. They were an amazing at receiver, but adding him you know, definitely but, helps. Yeah. I mean, having yeah. having Jared Cook at tight end, Emmanuel Sanders, Traquan Smith, and Michael Thomas to be thrown to, and then Alvin Kamara as as a running back, like, who who can catch out the backfield yeah, too? Yeah, that's pretty deadly. And Taysom Hill yeah. will come in in packages, of course. And then Latavius Murray is like a goal line guy. Yeah, he had a bunch of spurts last year when Kamara was out as well. Yeah. Um, is that also your X factor, Brandon Michael Thomas? Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go to the defense, and I'm gonna say Malcolm Jenkins. He's back with the Saints. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, he's back with the Saints after they let him go. Uh, Sean Payton has obviously said that he regretted that release. 
uh, as he should have. But now he's back in New Orleans. He's a good player. He's a veteran now. But again, that secondary is always a massive concern with this team. And to add in a veteran like him, who's still very, very capable and still very, very good safety, uh, to add him in that backfield, in that, you know, in that backside in the safeties and, or in the secondary, I should say, uh, definitely helps out the secondary overall. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah, so uh, that is that one. Um, all right, so let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons. They finished seven and nine last year, second place in the NFC South. Again, we talked about the Falcons over and over again on this show, and the fact is, we're confused about where they're at. Um, I think they are confused about where they're at. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why do you say that, Shane? Well, I mean, I don't know. It seemed like it was clear that they wanted to – they kind of wanted Dan Quinn out, but then the players were all, like, playing for their lives in order to try and save him or something at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's like, uh, okay, what's happening here? Um, I I think they just don't really – I think they don't really know – what they are, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, they don't really have an identity to me, which is troublesome in a division like this um, that is getting a lot better. So, True. yeah, I don't know. Um, Brandon, what are your thoughts on it? Do you feel like they're confused? Um. They find they kind of felt like, like to me last year they felt like a like a like a a runner who's like I'm so good I'm running this race I can do I can just chill I can whatever I don't have to put in the work and then they see everyone passing them they're like oh crap so they have to like put put the gas yeah. pedal on and go zooming past and pick up all these wins when they really shouldn't have but like you look at the team on paper and they're pretty good um, yeah so i i think very good. i think they're i think they're ha- i mean two what two three years ago they had injury problems last year i was just terrible i i if, well, three if they, years ago they were in the super bowl right yeah. and, and and that's an interesting thing to point out is dan quinn every year had a losing pretty much a losing record or losing more games in that year every season like he had terrible records after that they're still basically in a Super Bowl hangover phase with Dan Quinn and that's why it's still massively perplexing that he's still the coach but he is and if if they don't I I really do not think that they have a a great season at all next year Uh, but what are your guys' thoughts on this schedule I mean there's uh well there's some tough games in there (laughs) I mean opening with Seattle yeah. Um, yeah, Dallas should be interesting. Um, Green Bay. Yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. Denver, I think, will be tough for them. Um, I don't know. I mean, go Kansas City. Forget about that. <laughs> Brandon, what what are your thoughts on the schedule for you? Um. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a very fun season for them. <laughs> yeah. Just, just schedule-wise, I mean, 
of course, they play New Orleans twice. They play Tampa Bay twice. They have Green they Bay. They won't lose all four of those games, but. Uh, you never know. So here, here's my thoughts. If they, if they go in to week four against Green Bay, look, those first four weeks are going to determine a lot for me. Because we're going to yeah. know if they have – I mean, obviously no team really has a clear identity in September, but we have to see, like, h- how they play. Do they play like they did at the end of last year? Do they kind of come back and play it to that level, or do they just, are they just flat? Because if they go to Seattle and they're just – or, you know, if when they play Seattle and they're just flat, and then Dallas, and let's say they're flat, and then you wait till you know Monday night against Green Bay, and let's say they're flat there. I think we're out. This is a team we could be out on after four weeks of the season. I don't know. I I would also argue that like we all weren't. We were all kind of a little bamboozled by uh, the beginning of the season for. Seattle when we nearly lost to Cincinnati week one. Right. Like, if Atlanta was to put in a good performance against Seattle, I definitely won't be, like, being like, oh, my God, they're amazing. I'm just saying the first month. I think the first month is going to give us a good snapshot of where they're at. Yeah, that's true. Because there's a good range of teams in that first month in terms of, you know, Difficulty, if you will. Yeah. Because um, you got, you know, Seattle and Green Bay, which I think are pretty two pretty solid teams. Dallas is still pretty solid. Dallas, yeah, they're all right. And then, and then Chicago's then, defense. Yeah. Dallas has fallen, but they're still in the middle of the pack. Like, Yeah. They're still just the same average team that they always are. Yeah. <laughs> they're still they're still that the eighty overall team that's that they always are. <laughs> um all right, so let's look at their depth chart. What is your X Factor player for twenty twenty for the Atlanta Falcons? Who wants to go first? Yeah, I'm really curious as to what Todd Gurley's gonna bring to the table. Um you know, I, I think that they have uh, a pretty good pass game. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan, he's uh, got a decent arm, obviously. Um, he can play at an MVP level. He has been an MVP. Um, but we, you know, I think that they really need a more running identity. And I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, – what that's going to look like with Todd Gurley. Um, I think he's a, I think he's a good fit for this system, uh, whatever that might be. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm, you know, I think it's, it's, they need to, like I said, they need to build more of a two dimensional offense. And um, this is certainly a good addition for them. Uh, for Brandon, me, it would be probably Calvin Ridley. Yeah, that's a good pick as when well. He's back, when he's back from injury, I think he, for the last two years, in his first two years in the league, has shown that he is a game-changing wide receiver. He's he's just really good, and he's always open. And, like, I think 
just is someone that Matt Ryan has shown to really like. Yeah, definitely. I think I think if Calvin really takes a step up with Julio, they're going to have a really dynamic offense, and we'll see about Todd Gurley. You guys took both of my picks, but I'll go Hayden Hurst. Uh, they added him, I believe, from Baltimore this year. That was a really underrated pickup, adding a really good tight end. Obviously, uh, they lost Austin Hooper, which is a big loss, a huge impact player for them as he's headed to Cleveland. Uh Hey, simply put, Matt Ryan loves to throw to his tight ends, and now he's got that option there still with Hurst, and I think it'll be he'll have a pretty good impact there as well. Uh, so I think it's all about the offense for us, and we'll see how good the defense will be uh, moving forward there. Um, all right, so let's go on to the team that has changed the most and has made the most interesting changes in the 2020 offseason. And probably the primary reason we did this division second is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They finished seven and nine, third place in the NFC South. But of course, adding Brady, adding Gronk, and many other pieces as well. What is a reasonable expectation for the Buccaneers in 2020? I'd say a wild card. Yeah, I was going to say nine and seven. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, something like that. Nine and seven, because I think the Saints are going to win the division handily again. Um, but I think the Buccaneers will pick up a couple games. And I say nine and seven only because the Buccaneers still have work to do on their defensive side before they can really be considered a threat. See, this is where I differ with you. I honestly believe that that defense actually played better than most people thought last year and I, I I mean they were good I just I don't I, think that they played consistently enough to no and I I agree I think they were pretty inconsistent I think they definitely showed flashes but overall I thought it was a good season defensively I think their breakout defense in 2020 I think, I think well, they got some new good pieces too so right yeah um, anything that stands out of their schedule before we look at their depth chart um not really Pretty much the same schedules. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing. Do you think New Orleans Buccaneers to start the year is a pretty big game? Yeah, for yeah. sure. You get Brady versus Breeze. Um, how interesting will it be for you guys to see Brady in the NFC? And how does that change, like, his – because uh, I mean, and with the AFC, they're always uh, they're always a little bit weaker, and now the NFC being as strong as it is now, adding Brady, uh, how do you think that will impact the Bucks this year? Uh, Brady's no longer on the team that's doing the hunting. Right. Well, it's not even the fact that he's on the NFC; it's the fact that he's not in the New England uniform. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's weird. You know, that's so synonymous with who he is. Um, so. You know, seeing this, it's like, whoa, all right. Um, you know, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's it's a nice change for him, I think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I am – I'm definitely intrigued by, you know, the fact that – I mean, you got, like, two of the 
Uh, I not mean, top it's a, five anymore, but well, like Breeze and Brady, I was gonna say two of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, but uh, they're probably not both top five anymore. Top um, ten. Yeah, yeah, top ten. But I mean, you know, in the last ten years, they've been top three probably. Yeah. Um, now you have them both in the same division to kind of uh, close out their careers. Should be interesting. Yeah, I I wonder how that offense is gonna go. Because I worry about mm-hmm. Brady. This is a team that needs a long-range passer. One of the things with Jameis Winston that was so fun was that while he threw so many interceptions, that offense was still pretty dynamic. And Jameis Winston honestly had the best season of his career other than the 30 turnovers. Brady is not going to throw like that, right? Brady is a very methodical thrower, short-range thrower, but this team is ready for the long bomb. You got Gronk. You got O.J. Howard. You got you – got Godwin, you got Mike Evans. This team's ready for some long bombs, and I don't think Brady's that type of quarterback. No, he 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 will. I don't think if it's if he's the type of quarterback, I don't. I just don't know if he has the arm anymore. Right. I think at this stage of his career, he just doesn't have that type of arm. So, I mean, he still last year. I mean, he still made you know fifty yard bombs down the field to. Edelman or whoever, I mean, it's not, I think for me, it's not so much a matter of, you know, whether or not he can, but it's like, you know, does he actually have somebody to throw to? And now he has many people. Right. Um, I think, I mean, no, he's not going to throw it as deep. He's he's not going to throw it deep as often as Jameis. I mean, you know, that's just, I mean, that's a given. Um, But I, I don't think that, it's just going to become like a a rare occurrence, you know what I mean? Um, so, uh, I mean, we'll see though. I mean, I could be wrong. Um, happened before, you know. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Is this the first year without Brady in a Sunday night football game? No Sunday night football games for Brady I don't this think year. So. I think there might be one or two there. If not, they're definitely going to flex them two, in. They have two Monday night football games. Yeah, there's one. Las Vegas. Yeah, mm-hmm. Vegas. Oh, um, and, and New Orleans. Oh, that's yeah, Monday. New Orleans. That's yep. two. Okay, so who are your guys' X-Factor players for this Bucks team in 2020? I mean, for me, it's it's the man himself, Tom Brady. You know, I, I just – I think – I. Yeah, I know that there's a lot more to this team than him, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, you look at – I mean, like you said, this offense was – you know, it was very dynamic last year minus the all the turnovers. I mean, they had so many, so many. You know, you get somebody in the pocket who can work in Bruce Arians' offensive system, which I think is very good, and with an offense that is so versatile. And, you know, you get a guy in there who, like Brady, is, like you said, methodical and much smarter with the football and isn't going to turn it over nearly as much. I'm really curious as to what kind of impact it'll have on the team. I think it'll be one that is quite favorable. Um, you know, I I mean, I, I see them improving quite a bit. Um, now, he's not. I mean, he's obviously out of his prime. He has been for a couple of years now. Um, 
but that doesn't mean he still can't uh, he still can't you know make the good plays when he needs to. And I definitely definitely think that he can still rise to the occasion. Otherwise, yeah. he wouldn't be playing. <laughs> so my guy, uh, my X factor would have to be. Um... Ali Marpet, you know, I just think that 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 guard position is really important. You know, it's a it's the most important position. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I would have to agree with Shane. Yeah, I mean, you don't go out. I mean, and the get guard someone... is important. You know? Look, I mean, Ali Marpet. But... Ali Marpet's a good guard. That's I mean, actually good. one he's, of the. That's one of the things guard. about this offensive line too. Them adding Werves and having Marpet yeah. there should help a lot. I mean, no, I mean, I was sort only sort of kidding. I mean, he's a good he's a good lineman. Um, but you don't go out and get someone like Tom Brady and not assume that he's like he's going to be the. To me, Tom Brady is if he's Tom Brady, vintage Tom Brady, they will be tough to beat. If he's yeah. good, Tom Brady, they'll be pretty good. It's just a matter of. This is going to show, is Tom Brady only Tom Brady because of uh, Bill Belichick? Yeah. And I don't think he is. Oh, I don't either. It just, it's no. a question I, to be I asked. Think Brady, I think Brady and Belichick, like, even separately are still going to be good. Like, I think Belichick's still going to have a good year. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they're going to have a good year, and then Brady's going to have a really good season as well. I thought you said the Patriots were still going to be good. I, I, I think I, – that's what I'm saying. I think the Patriots are going to win about seven or eight games. Well, that's not good. I think that's Patriots good by win. their standards, man. I think the Patriots will win something like five. We'll, we'll get to them when we get to them, but that's <laughs> a preview there. Um, I, again, I look at this defense, uh, and I'm going to go with Shaq Barrett. Um, hmm. He had an incredible year. He was on a prove-it deal. Got I think what twelve and a half, thirteen and a half sacks last year. Just one of the most underrated seasons. But he had an incredible year. Got himself a great contract extension. Simply put, if if this team is having Super Bowl aspirations, which I think they are with Brady, Brady only has a couple years left. They they have to. They're in win now mode. This defense has to step up. And I think it starts with Shaq Barrett getting some sacks. And he had a great year last year in terms of sack totals. I think he can do it again. But I think this defense is really on the rise. And if this team finds their way to the Super Bowl, it's not necessarily going to be entirely about Tom Brady. It's going to be about this defense. Oh, for sure. I mean, like they say, offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. Right. You know? Or right. something like that. 100%. But anyways. 100%. Yeah. What a profit, Shane. Thank you, thank you. I, I'm, I've been working on that, you know. Uh. <laughs> and finally, we finish off with the Carolina Panthers. New coaching staff there. Rawr. And 5-11 <laughs> and record, fourth place in the NFC South. They got a new coaching staff now um, with, um, you know, with, with their new group there now. So um, let's look first at their schedule. Um, for the Panthers, what are your thoughts? Um, well, their schedule, I mean, it doesn't look too bad. Uh, they got, I mean, they got, you know, their division games, which we tough, uh, Arizona, um, that should be interesting. Kansas city, obviously, um, well, then, I mean, well, actually, yeah, it looks a little tricky. <laughs> yeah. Then Minnesota. I mean, the Panthers are also bad. Yeah. 
Um, I think they're on the rise, though. Really? Interesting. So let me ask you this question, Shane. Slowly. I, I, Slowly I, but surely. Right. Let me ask you this question. So I yeah. forgot about Matt Rule. Um, my bad. I always seem to mess up his name. I'll get used to it, of course, as we get to the season. But Matt Rule's their new head coach, and they added Joe Brady, who was a huge key for Joe Burrow's success at LSU. What impact yeah. do you think they will both have on Teddy Bridgewater and his success? Well, you know, I mean, I think um, – I think Bridgewater is definitely, you know, after his, I mean, he's had some troubles with injuries and stuff. And, um, you know, I definitely think that he is, is coming back and, uh, you know, really coming into his own. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see what kind of impact they have on Bridgewater. You know, I think he is, um, He's very, he's very consistent, um, and he's you know a smart player, pretty good athletics, uh, but I think he just needs that extra edge with his arm, and you know just to be able to go out and make plays really, um, and I think that uh, having uh, what's his name? You just said it, the LSU guy. Um, yeah, Joe Joe Brady, which I think is yes. going to be an interesting impact there. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, that should be that should be interesting. I, I mean, I think you know, and, and especially with Matt Rule and the co in the culture change, you know, I think it'll be good for that organization. Now, I will say I don't think that they're going to be. I mean, they're not going to be great just yet because it's the first year with new head coach, new coordinators, new quarterback. You know, there's too much. There's too much new. You know what I mean? Um, but I do believe it is a good start, without a doubt. For then, you know, you look at like a few years down the road. You know, I, I think they're. I think they're like. I think they're a couple of years behind the Cardinals, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, what is your thoughts on Teddy Bridgewater going into 2020? I think Teddy Bridgewater is a very good quarterback. I think he has established himself to a point where I don't think he really – it doesn't matter if he has a good quarterback coach. Um, I think the important thing for the Cardinal – for the Carolina Panthers down the line will be getting a quarterback that they can develop – I think Bridgewater is probably that guy. I think they brought him in to help develop yeah. him a little bit more. Yeah. We'll, well, and just to have a, like a, a steady franchise guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, last year we were like, Oh, is Cam Ka- Newton coming back or Kyle, is Kyle Allen, Allen going to be their guy going forward. And I wasn't really keen on either of those. <laughs> um, and then yeah. now, you know, now they, they, and then when I heard that they're oh, they're bringing in Bridgewater, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, I like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, should be interesting. Um, and of course, Christian McCaffrey um, well, is yeah, going to help I mean, that development very much because he's a beast. He, he's gonna he's gonna just run amok. And honestly, I thought that guy was gonna be a bust in the NFL. Really, you McCaffrey. Were, what was your thoughts I on did. him coming out? I don't know. I just he seemed like. He didn't seem big enough. And I just, I don't know. I just figured he was like, because you know he's going to the 
Panthers, and at the time they weren't like amazing. I figured you're just gonna like go out, get hurt, and then four years later retire or something. <laughs> See, with McCaffrey, I, I thought like I, I, I'm you know here, here's what here's what I was surprised by. McCaffrey came into the NFL looking pretty small. He was pretty small at Stanford, right? Yeah. And then yeah. he comes in the NFL. He looks big, right? He gets stronger and bigger. And and he and you know one of the biggest reasons why he was drafted where he was was because he was more of a wide receiver guy out of the backfield. But what the Panthers did is they really developed him into an excellent rusher, and that's really what makes him. The passing game makes him dynamic, but the running game is what made him incredibly successful last year, and that's what's gonna that's what's gonna keep him in the league for a long time. I think. Yeah, I think Christian McCaffrey is my X factor. Hmm. Any more you want to add for McCaffrey, Brandon? No, I think you pretty we've pretty much covered it. I mean, I mean he he just he blows me away every time I see him run the ball. He just yeah. find hole he finds holes. He's not afraid to go into contact. Um, he's smart with the ball going into contact, and he just he's like a heat seeking missile who just finds the end zone. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, Shane, is McCaffrey your player, or do you have a different pick? You know, I was thinking about him, but I mean, I know, I know what he does and the uh, the type of impact that he has on the team. But what I really want to know is what a consistent franchise quarterback is going to have in terms of how it affects their passing game. Um, so I'm going to go with Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. But I mean, I, but McCaffrey, I mean, that's, yeah, that's good too. I don't know, but I'll, I'll say, I'll say Bridgewater just to differ. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go Curtis Samuel and, mm. and let's talk about yeah. this wide receiving core for a second. DJ Moore had an excellent year last year. He had an incredible year. He proved himself to be a number one receiver. Curtis Samuel at times was productive. He needs to be a little bit more consistent. And Robbie Anderson, not a great year with the Jets last year, obviously. The whole quarterback thing with uh, Sam Darnold getting mono early in the year kind of kind of wrecked him a little bit in 2019. Now he comes yeah. in here, and I look at this – well, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and I go, is this not one of the best changes of wide receiver mo- mo- rooms in 2020? This wide receiver core looks good, and that with McCaffrey is only going to help. It's great. It's mm-hmm. like the Island of Misfit Toys for wide receivers. It really <laughs> is. And, and I think Curtis Samuel has a chance to really have a breakout year. We know what DJ Moore is capable of. Robbie Anderson, I think, is going to have a bounce-back year. It's this like offense a, could do like, really well. It's like the Panthers went and picked up like wide receivers who were doing, who had some seasons where they were really good and some where they were bad, and they were like, they have good talent. Let's bring them in and put them together in a team and make right. it so that each of them gets, so that each of them doesn't have to have all the pressure on them as the number one. Right, and that's where I think Robbie Anderson. That's exactly what Robbie Anderson is. Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, I think, had a lot on their plate last year, and bringing in Robbie only helps them out. Yeah. Uh, but I think Curtis Samuel, I think, is the one player on this team that's 
poised for a breakout year. And obviously, DJ Moore is going to have a great year as well. Um, defense looks pretty solid. You got Derek Brown, the rookie, in there as well. So definitely an interesting team to watch next year for sure as a team that's clearly in a rebuilding phase but we know what Matt Rule is capable of in these rebuilding teams he has a chance to really build them into a contender sooner rather than later um all right guys uh record predictions for the NFC South I think um I think in first place um you got New Orleans I think they'll finish 13-3 and three again. Wouldn't be surprised if they won 14, to be honest. Um, but I'll go 13. That's a bit safer. <laughs> and then second place, I'm going to say Tampa at about 10-6. and six. Um, Then third place, uh, I'll go... Man, this is tough. I'll say Carolina, third place, eight and eight. And then Atlanta coming in about six and ten, eight and nine, once again, or eight or seven and nine, once mm-hmm. again. Because um, I just don't. I mean, if, it, if I was looking purely at the team's talent, Atlanta would be higher. But, I mean, you just look at the last couple of years and what they have done or lack thereof. Um, I just don't – I don't trust them, you know, so I don't I don't feel comfortable saying, oh, yeah, they're going to get 11 wins, <laughs> you know, especially yeah. now that you have – especially now that New Orleans is an even better team, in my opinion, and Tampa is obviously a much better team. And Carolina is probably going to be a better team than they were last year. Um, so – uh, yeah, no, I definitely – I mean, if if things happen like they did last year um, and with Atlanta, which seems likely because not much has changed, let's be honest, that to me seems like the fourth-place team, but I could be wrong. So I'm going to go New Orleans 1 at 13-3. I'm going to go – Tampa Bay to um, – With what record? I'm going to go nine and seven. All right. Because um, I think they make a – I think they make a jump up, but I don't think they make like a ten and six jump up. Um, I think – I mean, it's only three more wins. Yeah. I mean, look at the – um, yeah. Look at the 49ers. They went from what five wins to thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. Anyways. And then I'm gonna go Atlanta three and Carolina four. Oh, what's the record for both of them? Atlanta, I'm going. Mm, what was Atlanta last year? Five and eleven. Seven and nine. nine. They were gonna finish seven and nine. I'm gonna have Atlanta. They're gonna. They're gonna win an even. They're gonna finish the season an even eight and eight. I think just because of their, just because of the consistency in who's coming back, the fact that it's been the same players, same team for the last couple of years. I think they're gonna be playing yet again on a on borrowed time for Dan Quinn. 
I think they get that eight and eight and maybe it allows Dan Quinn to be able to be like, look, maybe we can reshape the team, get some stuff in here. Does it need a reshaping though? It doesn't need a reshaping at all. It just needs a new coaching staff. I think it needs a new quarterback because I think the time of, of, of Matt Ryan is, is setting. Um, And then Carolina, I think will do something like six and 10. Um, because I think they're going to be really good, like not this year, but next year, I think they'll start being good. I think they just need a year to, to like, for things to click. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'll, I'll change, um, from both of you guys, I actually think the Bucks win this division. Hmm. I think the Bucks find a way to win about 14 games. What? 14? I, I, I think you're like. I think they win about 13 or 14 games. I think they win. Let's say this. I think they go 13 and three. And I think that I think the new Orleans saints falls right behind them at 12 and four. I, Robert, I uh, thought you stopped taking opium. Yeah. Seriously. I'm not <laughs> taking opium. What That's are you talking a, about? That is a I'm nut kidding. job answer. My dude. I'm like, kidding. No, like I, I really feel like this Bucks team has a chance to really break out. And with Brady in this offense, I think it's, it's hard to contain powerful yeah, offenses. This is an old Brady who has not been that great the last couple of years. I think like, with Bruce Arians, it's tough to deny what kind of upgrade they can have. Yeah, this but he just, he just loved Belichick, at, like, yeah. who is arguably the greatest coach of all time. I think the Bucks have, have made a huge jump, and I think they'll find a way to take the division. I don't think they'll go, I don't think they'll go far in the playoffs. I don't think they'll go far in the playoffs, but I think they'll find a way to win the division. We'll see. I mean, it could be. You never know. All right. Uh, and the then, Browns could win the Super Bowl. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Shane, do you remember what division we plan to do next week? Uh, the NFC East. East, the NFC Most East. Boring <laughs> division. Probably. Probably. I mean, let's be honest. There's um, no drama, you know? Yeah. Well, just... there, there is. When you have the Cowboys, there's always some interesting drama. Okay, uh, yeah, I mean, true. But... You have the Cowboys, the boring-ass Giants. The Redskins. With Haskins, and the the Eagles are interesting. Uh, There's some drama there with the Redskins. There's a little bit. All right, so that's that's that. And then finally, uh, Brandon, uh, your thoughts on the Last Dance and the whole ten episodes? It was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, What was your primary takeaway for you? That Michael Jordan is an asshole, but he's a great basketball player, <laughs> but he's also human. Right. So. I, I think that the biggest Wait, thing. Be subtle. I, I know. I'm not. You know me, Shane. Subtlety <laughs> is my specialty. The biggest takeaway I have is that this is one of my. This deserves to win an Oscar. Nah, well, this, no. To me, this will. An, an Oscar. No, an Oscar because it's nominated, but it was uh, produced by Netflix. Uh, they will win. Well, no, it's a, it's a, it's a TV series though. Shane, 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 OJ made in America won an Oscar. So if this is, if this, really? yep, yep, yep. So I think if OJ if, made in America was shown in theaters as well though. It, yeah. I'm not sure, but if it is eligible for an Oscar, it should win best documentary feature. This or is Emmy. one of the most hype or an Emmy, whatever it will. I think, I think definitely it would be win an Emmy. Emmy. I will definitely win an Emmy. Um, I hope it does get into the Oscars, but point aside, I think the biggest takeaway I have is 
how much I really enjoyed not only Michael Jordan, but understanding the history of this team and how it was a sad ending. Um, but to really understand the team in a way I never thought I would understand. Um, yeah. Huge credit to Jason Hare and that whole editing team. They did the last two episodes in their apartment buildings in New York. Insane. So, so props to everyone who contributed to this project because, man, it was one of the best things I've seen in a long time. And that also is like kind of something that teachers will be use, will be saying, like audio video professors will be talking about for the rest of their careers basically telling their students there's no excuse for not getting your projects done they literally edited a a documentary on it on audition in their apartment like (laughs) yeah it's really an incredible job uh credit to everyone who was in this project because it's it's honestly one of my favorite things i've watched this year but maybe in the last five to ten years it was that awesome to watch all right and that's basically it any last words for you guys uh before we hit memorial day weekend um nothing that comes to mind yeah other than to uh enjoy the weekend and stay uh, safe stay safe and uh think about your uh deceased veterans you know and the sacrifice they made for the country 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yep. All right. Brandon, are you still there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the dark, though. Oh, you're like Batman. Yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, happy Memorial Day, everyone. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode of Hattrick Sports Talk. We'll be back next week for our normal Friday show, and we will get to the NFC East, among other things. Whoop, whoop. Hopefully, we'll hear some good news about basketball and all the other sports next week, but we will see. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you next week.